Welcome to the Baseline Community Church Podcast. Well, much of what I will say today will come across as if I'm leaving or possibly dying. Um, And I just want you to know, as best I know, that is not happening. Um, So, but this is kind of an interesting time. This is the final sermon I'm going to give for Baseline Community Church. And I figured out, I've given over 500 sermons, because I've almost been the senior pastor for 13 years. I was associate pastor before that. I preached most every Sunday here. So it's well over probably 500 sermons. And for this last series, we've been going through 2 Corinthians chapters 3 through 6. And, and, and there's a reason for that, a reason why I wanted to do these sections, because in there... Paul talks about his passion for ministry, his philosophy, how how it's done right and how it makes an impact in people's lives. And he continually wants to remind people that we have a treasure in Jesus Christ. And that's what I want you to know, that you have a treasure. When you come to follow Jesus, when you come to follow him and be one of his, that you actually have a treasure And he talks about what this treasure is like. He says that this treasure brings righteousness. And that is right standing between us and God. And there is nothing more important than that, than having a right standing before our God. He also says that righteousness also then causes us to learn how to live this life correctly, to live it right, to live it as God intended it to be. And that's what the gospel does. It helps us live this life as God intended it to be lived. The other thing that this, that this treasure brings is it brings, it brings freedom. <laughs> freedom from sin. We don't have to be under the burden of sin in our lives because of what Jesus has done. We don't have to be under the burden of addictions and all of that stuff because of what Christ has done. Because of the, the gospel can bring about that freedom in your life. And then he says that this gospel also brings about transformation, that our lives are changed by the gospel, that we become more and more like Jesus as we allow the gospel to truly impact our lives. And then he keeps going through these chapters, and, and you might remember that there's, this, uh, there's a kind of a, a thread that's woven through all these chapters, and that, that is this. It's, it's even when it's difficult, do not lose heart. We'll talk about that today. Even when it's hard, don't lose heart. And then uh, Karina Menjavar spoke a couple weeks ago and said that, that we believe and therefore we speak, that we believe in this gospel, it impacts us, and then you can't help but then speak about it with words and actions in your life, that that is what this gospel does. Then last week, um, Susan Barton preached wonderful job last week, and she said that we are we are compelled by the love of Christ. That any ministry we get involved in, any church we're a part of, anything that's happening in our life, it's, it, we're compelled by God's love, that he loved us first so that we could then love him and love others. And then these incredible statements that we are then a new creation. We are reconciled to God and we become reconcilers to others. And we become an ambassador for Christ that you and I actually represent Jesus Christ in the world, that this is his plan, that you and I, all of us, are ambassadors for him. 
And, and we are doing this section of scripture because I want us to focus on ministry as we move into the merger, as we become a new church, that all of us, every one of us, as a part of the body of Christ, are called to be a part of his ministry in the world. It's not left out for certain special people here or there, or certain pastors or whatever. It is all of us are called to be a part of his work in the world. And that I hope we would not go into this next season as a new church and as a merged church kind of going back and sitting back and thinking, well, I want to see what this church can do for me. What, what is it that I'm going to get out of this new church that we're merged with? There will be great things. But I want you to think about what can I give? Where can I serve? I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago. I listened to a Carrie Newhoff podcast. It's on leadership. It's really good. He has really interesting guests. And a couple weeks ago, he had a guy, and I can't even remember the person's name, but he talked about how he had, had he goes around to different churches, and he was at a different church, and he, um, and he found what their mission statement was. And he thought it was so interesting. And, and the mission, sta mission statement, vision statement, we mix it all up, but like ours is uh, God's vision or mission for Baseline Community Church is to grow disciples who authentically follow Jesus Christ so that our communities are transformed. It's, it's a great mission statement. But the mission statement at this other church was one word. You're probably thinking it's Jesus, right? <laughs> but it wasn't. It was others. That was the church's mission statement. And that everything they thought about, every program they thought about was how will this impact others? How will this impact other people in the church? How will this impact other people outside the church? Others. And I just think that's so powerful to think about as a church. What are we really all about? So we're going to finish up this section now. So we'll go at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 to 13. And if you have a Bible, you can follow along, or a phone, or a lot of the scriptures will be up behind me. Here's what Paul writes. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance. So he starts out talking about stumbling blocks. And unfortunately, oftentimes the church, we can shoot ourselves in the foot because we put stumbling blocks in the path of people all the time. And we hear about this often, of pastors falling, whether it's that they have affairs or they have a, some sort of addiction or there's financial impropriety in the church. But these are ways that people we put stumbling blocks in the paths of people. Some of the, honestly, some of the political stuff of the last year and the way the churches have responded or not responded have created stumbling blocks out there, especially for folks that are younger. And Paul says, we don't want to put any stumbling block in the way of people. We don't want to do anything that would keep people from having an opportunity to hear about Jesus. So he said, we put no stumbling blocks in the way. And then Paul and his, com and his companions that are with him have had great endurance. That's what he says, right? We commend ourselves in great endurance. I mean, half the battle in the Christian life and in ministry is just continuing to show up and not giving up 
and not running away. And that's what Paul did. And then he talks about what he had to endure. And remember, I love the title of our, our series is Field Notes because he experienced this stuff. He had to have great endurance because he says he had great endurance in troubles, hardships, and distresses, just sort of a general thinking. Then he talks about what actually happened in beatings, imprisonments, and riots. And if you read the book of Acts, these all happened to him. And then he says, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. He gave himself fully to the ministry that God had called him to. And yet he endured. And so one of the things I encourage us at this time is to be people of endurance. Don't give up. Continue to hang in there. Continue to show up and do what God has called you to do. And then Paul continues to describe the ministry that he had with the Corinthians and, and the values that he put first. And these are crucial. He said, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. And he says, when you're in ministry, this is how you do it. And I love that first line, impurity. Um, that he lived his life with great integrity. And there was nothing that people could say about him. Understanding of what the gospel is and also understanding of the people that he was ministering to. With great patience. And then this word kindness. What an important word for us today, to be kind to one another, to be kind to those that are different from us. But he had great kindness. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit can bring the fruit of the Spirit in our lives so that our lives match up with what we are talking about. He says he does this in sincere love. Again, it's, that goes back to that, the love of Christ compels us. This is that agape type of love that's willing to sacrifice, that's willing to think of the other person first. This agape love, he says this message is true, truthful speech. We're not trying to fool anybody or do any sort of sleight of hand. And he says in the power of God, because it's the power of God that actually brings about change and brings about healing and brings about wholeness in people's lives. And then this really interesting phrase with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left hand. The idea of how to live life as it's be lived. And it's both the offensive weapons and the defensive weapons, right? You, the armor of God, you've got the shield of faith that you might hold in your left hand and you've got the sword of the spirit in your right hand. And you're using all the gifts that God gives you to do the ministry he's called you to do, to be a part of the church he's called you to be a part of. And this is how Paul did his ministry in Corinth. And this is how he did it in Philippi. And this is how he did it everywhere. He had great endurance. He did it with purity and understanding, patience and kindness. And then he does it, everything as you should be done, as it should be done. And there still are ups and downs. It's really interesting. You'd think it'd be just whew, like that. 
Then he goes on to talk about here's what the experience was like. Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. That, that this is Paul's experience in ministry. This is the picture of the work of the church. I mean, we can all relate to this, right? We, we can all relate to this in our own lives too, I think, right? That there are ups and downs. And you might feel like you've done everything right like Paul did but there still will be ups and downs. There'll be times when you feel like you should be honored and you're dishonored. You feel like there should be a good report and there's a bad report. It's just these ups and downs. It's ministry, it's church, it's life. So, uh, so I am the final non-tattooed member of my family. Okay? I'm holding out. I have not gone under the spell of the ink yet, and I doubt I ever will. You want to guess who the last one was before me? No, Nancy's had a tattoo for a long time. It's a small little one. Matthew was our last one. And Matthew got his tattoo in Barcelona this last beginning of the summer. He was traveling with Sarah our other daughter, they met in Lisbon, Peru, and, and traveled, and he got his tattoo in, um, in uh, Barcelona. And here's his tattoo. I want to show it to you. It's on his side, one of the sides. And I like tattoos. I probably won't ever get one, but I like when there's... When, typically, tattoos have meaning behind them, right? You would hope so, right? Like if someone got like a big Mickey Mouse on their back and you're like, why'd you do that? Oh, I don't know. I just want to get Mickey Mouse on my back. It's like, well, that's not what I mean. But, but t this tattoo has a lot of meaning for, for Matthew. And, and the first one is he, it kind of is our family. So there's three mountain peaks that star three kids. Nancy is the moon because she always says, I love you to the moon and back. And I'm the sun because hopefully I'm giving some direction and that, I don't know, we never really talked about why I'm the sun. Maybe it's because I'm harsh or something, I don't know. But no, I think it's direction, hopefully. I think it's that, I'll take that. The other meaning for Matthew it has is that it has meaning for his trip with Sarah. So they fly into Lisbon, Portugal, have an incredible four days. They meet people in their, in their hostel, they're out all night having fun, they're playing trivia, they're doing all this stuff. They get on a bus after four days to go to uh, Faro, I believe. They're exhausted. They fall asleep. They get on the bus. It's a three-hour trip or so. They get to Faro. They're getting off the bus. And Matthew's like, where's my wallet and passport? And in the course of that trip, somebody had stolen his wallet and passport. They get off and follow. They figure out they have to go back, take a train back to Lisbon to get to the go to the embassy to get a temporary passport. They get on a train and come back. Meanwhile, something is not agreeing with their stomachs. Either there's stress or water or something to where it makes it really hard to do any sort of sightseeing if there's not a bathroom really close by. So ups and downs of traveling. Some of the greatest times, 
difficult time, good time. And Matthew says it also means it's just a picture of life, that life has its ups and downs. And all of us have experienced that. Many of us, especially college-age kids, have experienced that through the pandemic, that life is not gone as we kind of thought it would. And there's been ups and downs. And there are peaks and valleys in churches. It's just the way it is. If you've been around this church for any amount of time, you've experienced those peaks and valleys. Right? There were times when we needed to have three services because it was so packed with all the people coming. There were years when we had so many people that wanted to go on a mission trip down to Ensenada to Casa Esperanza, we had to have two mission trips that were totally full. Year after year, our giving went way past what we had budgeted and spent. But then there have been times when friends have left the church. There's times when... Um, Staff moved on or left to do other things or couldn't function or be a part of this because of an illness or whatever it might be. And then COVID has really hit this church, a lot of churches, but our church really hard and we haven't really recovered from it. And there will continue to be peaks and valleys in our new church, Hope City Church. If we expect that it's just going to be one straight up towards the corner, we're going to be sorely disappointed. Because that's just the way of life and ministry and church. There's ups and downs. So my encouragement for all of us is this. Be people of endurance. Continue to show up. Don't give up. Don't give up in your own life with Christ. Don't give up in your life of your church. Be people of purity, understanding, patience, and kindness. Do that with one another, with the new folks that will be a part of this church. Do that with people that are outside the walls of our church. Keep focused on the truth of the gospel and keep the gospel at the center of who you are as a person and who we are as a church. And allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. That's what we are called to be. So the last three verses of this section are really interesting. And, and Paul, I don't, Paul had a very interesting relationship with the Corinthians church. He, he started that church, with, and then Priscilla and Aquila were a part of it. And he, he spent a year and a half in Corinth just ministering and teaching and building relationships with the people there. And he left. And then seemingly, some other people came in and kind of hijacked the church front, at least Paul felt, from him. They would say things about him, uh, dishonoring him. They would say stuff about him. They would question his teaching, all that sort of stuff. And so there's this really interesting kind of relationship between him and the, and the Corinthians. And he, and he really seemed to have a struggle with this relationship with them a little bit. So verse 11 to 13, this is what he says. He says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children, open wide your hearts also. So you can kind of feel the pain that Paul feels there, that he feels like he's put himself out there relationally and and didn't um, receive that back. And, and, I, and I understand that because 
church work can be difficult sometimes. Um, but, but honestly, this is where I have to kind of part company with, um, with Paul a little bit. Um, so this weekend marks my 40-year anniversary of being in full-time ministry. I know it's hard to believe. I started when I was seven. And um, so, yeah. No, actually, I started after I graduated from UCLA. Um, my parents, for as a gift, gave me a, a briefcase. My dad's a banker. Thank you, Dad. My dad watches. Thank you, Dad. Uh, so he's a banker, so every college graduate needed a briefcase, even if they're going into youth ministry. Which, um, So I showed up my first day of work with my briefcase in the office in Palos Verdes and did that. And for 24 years, I was with Young Life. And for the last 16 years, I've been here at Baseline. So a total of 40. And I just want to thank the Lord for those 40 years. You know, to every uh, junior high kid or high school kid who sat in a living room and listened to you talk about Jesus, thank you. Every parent who trusted me with their kids to take them to camp, thank you. Every volunteer leader, every committee member with Young Life, thank you. Everyone who's listened to one or 500 of my sermons here at Baseline, thank you. Everyone who's gone to coffee with me or out to a meal and we've talked about Jesus and what it means to follow him, thank you. To every couple who's given me the privilege of, um, of being there and officiating their wedding, thank you. Every family who allowed me to walk with you through that really difficult time of a loss of a loved one, thank you. Everyone who has volunteered as a greeter or a nursery worker or a sound person or a musician or an elder, thank you. My life is so much richer because of all you. And so the last thing I want to say, baseline, community church folks, is this. Open wide your hearts. Open wide your heart to Jesus. He has opened his heart to you. He has given himself to you as everything he can and he so desires for you to give your heart back to him. Open wide your heart to Jesus. That's what matters. Open wide your heart to one another. We need each other. We're called to do this in community and with each other. Open up your heart wide to one another. And then finally, open up your heart to Chris Jackson. Chris will be our new senior pastor. He is a really good man. 
He's a good leader and a great communicator. But open your heart to him. He so wants to lead this new church into a place of really making an impact in our community. He really wants us to be a place where people grow spiritually. He wants to be a place where we serve. So open your heart to him. But first and foremost, please, please open your heart to Jesus. That's what we've been around. That's what we've been about. Horizons for like 33 years. Horizons baseline 33 years. It's always been about helping people come to know Jesus and learn to follow him. Let's continue to do that and be people that make that happen. Let me pray. Well, Lord, you have been really good to us. And uh, as a church, you've been faithful. And our prayer, Lord, is that we would continue to walk in faithfulness with you. Help us to be people of endurance, Help us to be people of kindness. And Lord, our prayer is that you will uh, do even more than we could ask or imagine in the years and decades that follow. So we trust you. And we place our lives and we place our church and our hopes and our desires and our dreams. We just place them in your hands, Lord. And we can do that because you are a good God and you are a loving God. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.